This is that Nerd Dad podcast. Brittle Star is back. Stuart Reynolds is back. Um, and uh, this conversation is infinitely better than the first time I interviewed him. Not because of his skill set, but because of my general comfort level in having these conversations. Um, and, uh, and he and I talk uh, about his upcoming book, as well as about kind of like mainstream media and Canadian, like it's just a wide ranging conversation that um, is really fun. And you're going to enjoy this one. Um, and if you're not already in love with Brittle Star, you will be by the end of this conversation. Reynolds Brittle Star, the I'm internet's back. favorite day, day, dad, dad. That oh. too. I should have my own day. You should. I'm sure you have one. Don't you have one in Stratford by now? Well, you would think so. It's just my birthday, and just I, I force people to celebrate <laughs> me. Thanks for coming back, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Fun fact: I cringe when I rewatch my first interview with you. Why? I was just getting like my feet under me. And yeah. I felt like you were a big guest. Like you were a oh, big get for me. Right. And now it's dawned on you. You're cringing because it's dawned on you that I'm not a very good guest no, or a very I, good guest. And you're like, oh, man, I'm, I made a fool of myself. I was begging for scraps. First question I asked, I I was like, and I watch it. And I'm like, oh, God. And oh, I, beat I, I didn't notice. Up over it. <laughs> no, you're, you're fine. You're totally fine. It's all good. Thanks for coming back, man. Of course. Um, you're here, obviously, because uh, I, I had a reason. You're promoting a book. You wrote I a am. book. I know. Welcome quite... to the stupid man. I'm butchering this title. I said it off air. I couldn't <laughs> even say it right. Welcome to the stupid apocalypse. Thank you. You're, You're number welcome. one bestseller. In political humor, yeah, it's bounced around at the top. I think this morning it's number three. I'm sitting behind Mike Myers and Rick Mercer, so that's good company. It's good company. I mean, it's good company. I've yeah. got my copy pre-ordered. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been and a it's... wild process, man. So I, I look, I, I, I subscribe to your Substack. All of a sudden I get the email blast. Yeah. You've written a book. Clearly you've been working on this for a while. How long has this been in the works? Um, I mean, it came together as far as books go, it came together pretty quickly. It was back uh, a year ago, spring, like early, early spring, late winter. So 2022, late winter, early spring. And, uh, I got approached by a literary agency in Toronto who said, Hey, listen, would you be interested in writing a book? And I was like, I don't know. How much does it pay? Uh, and, they're, and they're like, probably not very much. And I was like, ah, I might consider it anyway. And um, and then they shopped it around. And they the first day they shopped it around after I worked with my literary agent, uh, Wayne Arthurson, who's amazing, um, he and I came up with this, this proposal for this book and this idea and this concept. And then uh, he shopped it around. And within that first day of, of shopping it around, they had two offers. And I was like, this is amazing. And, he's, and they were like, they're cool. They knew how to do it. They're like, just let's wait. Let's just wait and see what happens. <laughs> and sure enough, within like two, two days after that, there was another offer from a, a US-based uh, publisher called Post Hill Press, which is uh, owned by Simon & Schuster. It used to be independent, but now it's owned by Simon & Schuster. And um, they came back with a really amazing offer and uh, they were very excited about it. And the editor there really liked me and believed in the book. And, and then it became a thing. So yeah, it was, then it was a case of actually, once we signed the deal, it was like, hmm, I should probably write it now, I guess. I should probably get to work on that. 
So the deal was signed, and it was kind of just a an idea, basically. Basically, an idea. There's a couple of like it's the book itself is Welcome to the Stupid Apocalypse: Survival Tips for the Dumbageddon, and there's it's a collection of essays and various topics from you know marriage to politics to Canada, the U.S., the internet, all that kind of stuff. And Amazon um, says it's social media darling, Brittle Star brings all that. That's right. That's right, baby. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, it seems evident. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's it's uh, it was basically the proposal was the idea for the book, the outline of the book, the concept of the book, and then a couple of example essays of like, this is the kind of thing it's going to be. And they really liked it. And they've been very supportive, which is really great, because I think they have some very, uh, I'm, I'm unusual as far as one of their authors, which is which is nice, I guess. So. Okay. You're in your yeah. own a class of your own. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say uh, that. The idea of a collection of essays, it like, look, I, I, I have read a ton of books by stand-up comedians. At sure. one point in time, in my life, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I wanted to be a stand-up comedian historian. So I've read Amazing. tons of books. Yeah. And like, so I, that's how a lot of those books read. They read like little short essays yeah. and things like that. Have you ever done stand-up? I mean, I I kind of have. Um, okay. I mean, I, I would do, I, and I still do speaking engagements where I'll do keynotes, and it'll be like about, uh, you know, trying to thrive in adversity and making the best of a bad situation and sort of just stories from my life and and how I've got to the point where I've been making silly videos and writing things for the past 10 years as a full-time job so it's it's usually about that stuff and then and then in the past like few years i was hired to do keynote type talks and then almost at the last minute i was asked to be like actually can you just do 20 minutes of stand-up instead (laughs) and i would be like listen man i don't do stand-up but i will show up as long as you pay me and uh and so they did so i i mean i was i'm probably the one of the best paid amateur stand-ups in the world, I think, because I think I did about three events where I was like, they wanted stand up, and I was like, this isn't my thing, but okay, I'll give it a go. Um, I it's terrifying. I find stand up terrifying. I have lots of friends who are stand up comedians, and it's such a skill. It's such a, like I have a I have an issue where I, if I'll I'll like I'll I'll blank on things sometimes. I know I'm quite chatty sometimes as well, but I'll also just I'll blank because I'll, I'll be th- searching for something really funny to say, and in the effort of trying to search for something funny, I, everything just goes blank. I'm like, ah, you've trailed off. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Uh, so yeah, I mean, stand up is a, is phenomenal, but also stand up comedians are very sad people. <laughs> You're not a sad person. Uh, not really. No. I mean, I think I was. I think I was a sad person for. I think everybody goes through periods of highs and lows and all that kind of stuff. And you kind of have to remind yourself in those lows that you're going to go up again. It's a roller coaster ride, this whole life thing. Um, and there's the boring bits, and then there's this terrifying bits, and then there's the boring bits, and then there's the exciting bits. Um, so yeah, I think you know, prior to starting what I what I do now, one of the biggest impetus for me to do what I was doing was the fact that I hadn't laughed in ages and I hadn't smiled in ages, and I was like, I got to change that. I got to do something that's going to make me smile and laugh at least once a day. And luckily, I've, I've been able to do that, which is great. Not only that, you do it. You bring that smile to everyone, though. Like, I mean, oh. you know, you. I, I, I hope, I hope you have an appreciation for the impact that you have on people's daily lives. I mean, I get one of the one of the weird things about doing stuff on social media is that I've learned, as I was told by I think it was Scott Stratton who told me ages ago 
He's like a marketing guy. And he's like, comments are worthless. Comments don't mean anything. And he's largely right. I mean, nice comments are amazing. They're lovely. And it's all really sweet. But I mean, comments are kind of throwaways. And all it takes is like one in a hundred comments to make you go, Ugh, and then you, you get suckered into a dialogue. You feel like you're an idiot. You feel like you're the worst thing in the world. I mean, it takes nothing for someone to uh, negatively impact someone who provides a creative service. I mean, because that's just, it's just, you know, you're putting yourself out there and you're kind of like, I hope they think it's funny. It's like that Simpsons episode of uh, when Marge goes to a club and orders a Long Island iced tea and the server's like, oh my God, I hope she likes it. Um, (laughs) It's, you know, you sort of put way more, uh, you know, weight on on those comments you need to. But so saying, one of the first times at a Vine meetup in 2013, a woman, and I, and I may have said this story before, but the woman came up to me across the street. I just started doing Vines, and I thought they were silly and dumb and stupid. And she said, I just want to, she hugged me, and she's like, I just want to thank you for getting me and my family through a hard time. We'd watch your videos as we were going through this whole process. It was like a medical thing. And I was like, oh, God, okay. I had no idea they ha- had that functionality to them. So that kind of thing, and I'll get messages from people, and I do get some lovely comments, and I do get amazing emails from people, um, and people tell me in person that there's they appreciate and and they they have use and utility for what I'm doing, and when you're seemingly writing what I think is nonsense and create and filming and nonsense and posting nonsense. And then someone says, actually, this kind of helped me. This is a little bit of a life preserver. I mean, that, that's that's been the most motivating thing for me in the past 10 years, like without question, like there's nothing close to it. It's heavy stuff. It's heavy stuff. It is. Um, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of use this as a jumping off point to talk about uh, your life yesterday on Twitter. And now Twitter is <laughs> a hellscape. Um, <laughs> it is, it is um, toxic beyond belief. Those mm. blue check marks are, mm. um, I think ex- almost exclusively owned by nazis it seems like a lot these days except um, me i don't not I, you i, I, not I you, no i not haven't Dean Blundell. <laughs> yeah i haven't bought into the whole nazi thing uh no not can't they can't convert you <laughs> no exactly i've seen the brochure i'm not interested it's a lot of white people they don't have a lot of diversity <laughs> a lot of spice not a lot of spice uh, uh, but yesterday, uh, the National Post in Canada ran an article that basically said Justin Trudeau's under investigation by the RCMP, uh, which was bullshit. And the RCMP had to actually put out a statement and just be like, hey, just so you know, yeah. we're not actually doing this. Yeah. Um, and you put out kind of an innocuous tweet essentially saying, I, I, I long for the days when news weren't aiming for clickbait. Yeah. That prompted the Charles Adler to grab you and say, real news shouldn't be competing for clicks with some goofy videos I make. Canada's most trusted comedian, Stuart Reynolds. Uh, <laughs> are you Canada's most trusted comedian? Oh, well, I mean, if Charles said it, obviously it's true. I don't know. <laughs> He's a journalist, isn't he? He doesn't um, get much bigger than Charles Adler in terms of journalistic integrity. No, I mean, I, I greatly appreciate... Charles's support. I mean, he's he's been very supportive, uh, and especially since we, I don't think we came from the same corners of ideology, and we've kind of met in this nice, sort of hopefully reasonable place. Yep. Um, and yeah, I think he's great. I mean, he's awesome, and uh, I'm so flattered at that kind of thing. And it's a weird thing for me because I think that a lot of times, 
I, I, I feel like I'm trying to be comedic and trying to be funny. And I sort of feel like, ah, oh, damn it. I wish there was more jokes in this bit or there, was, there should be another joke before the second line hits or whatever. And then I think, well, I kind of, tr I trade that for the, 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 the point. Like if I can somehow provide a point that makes people go, hmm, that makes somehow makes the world better then I'm gonna I'm gonna err to that side and, and I'll I'll abandon the joke, which makes it a weird balancing act. I don't really feel like a comedian, and I don't really feel like a trusted anything to be honest. But I mean, uh, it's yeah, it's it's something. But that whole thing yesterday was wild. I I can okay, I, was, I, I could and then then your Substack this morning, subscribe to a Substack uh, was also kind of similar about longing for the newspaper and just like. Yeah, I think, you know, like yesterday's thing was interesting because it was, there was an access, uh, for access of information uh, request by this organization, uh, Democracy Watch, and they got back this kind of vague, you know, bureaucrat speak uh, response. So, I, it, I mean, it did sort of, it did say this matter is still under investigation. It didn't say who was under investigation or what part of it was or what element it was or how it was being perceived or, or, or how it was being investigated or for what reasons. And I think the, the thing I was trying to, I was most upset about was that, or not upset about, I wasn't really upset. The thing I thought was most ridiculous was the fact that it's like a journalist would have been, would have, I would hope be like, asking all those questions. What kind of investigation? Who's under investigation? For what? You know? Um, what? Where? Why? Exactly. When? It's, the, it's, the, it's the fifth estate, man. It's like, this is the basic uh, tenets of journalism and you just got to stick with them. That's why one of the things, like when there's something massively uh, big happening, whether it be, you know, whatever news event's happening, it's a big news event. I will s usually... If I'm watching it on television, I will default to CBC News Channel. I don't often watch new CBC News Channel because I find it very, very boring. Um, however, for those large news events where it's I want to know what's happened, I go to CBC News because they are usually the least likely to guess. <laughs> they don't care if they're last to tell you. They're like, yeah. whatever. We'll just we'll know for sure. And if we if we say it, it comes out of our mouth, there's a good chance we've confirmed it. And that's boring and it's not exciting and it doesn't get the first clicks. It doesn't get the big ad dollars, but from a news perspective, it's like, I don't, I don't really care. I do as a human want to know things as quickly as possible, but I'm also, I've also come to the point where I'm realizing I, it, I don't need to know things as soon as possible unless they're directly impacting me like a tornado warning or something. Apart from that, if it's just news about politics, I can fi figure it out first, then tell me the, what's actually happening. That's really important to me. First off, I don't. I, I think you are somehow not alone, and also alone in that. Um, and what I mean by that is, <laughs> what I mean by that is, I too will do a double check of resource uh, of a source. Yeah. I will read a multiple articles and go, okay, the truth is somewhere here. Yeah. Um, but I don't think most people do that. I think most people no. kind of see the headline and and they run with it and. I will say, and I don't want to turn this into shitting on Twitter, although I could. Um, it's I used to turn to Twitter when something like breaking Absolutely. news was happening. I would, I yep. would, you know, my wife would say, "I thought I heard something about Celine Dion," and I'd be like, "What's on? What's Twitter saying?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll have the news um, as up to date and as factual as possible. Now I'm like, I am. I'm going to go to the actual website. I'm going to go to CNN. I'm going to go CBC, BBC to find out if there's actual news content there and not just yeah. a grabby headline. 
Yeah, and I think that's really, you know, I, I'm, I'm like you in that if I see, if there's a big story, like the story that was coming yesterday, I went through a bunch of sources and I was like, this doesn't track, man. I don't see it. The, <laughs> it's being posted in National Post, but it's not really being posted anywhere else in the Toronto Sun, but not really anywhere else. It's like, this is suspect. Um, and, you know, I, to give people credit, I don't think that it's reasonable for people to be checking multiple sources to get accurate information i think they don't, people don't have time for that no they don't have i mean they just don't have time to do this kind of stuff i mean the people are living everyone's just treading water trying to keep their heads above water and keep their kids heads above water um so it's unreasonable to think listen just sit down and spend a good couple of hours going through the newspapers from around the world and seeing i mean this is unreasonable only like losers like me get to do that um but lucky losers like me um <laughs> But I will tell you, you know, it's it's that's gonna be the name of your one man show, Lucky Loser. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, you know, I will I will say that we this past February, uh, I was in the UK, and a friend of mine is a very high up news editor in the BBC, and she said, "Do you want to come tour the BBC building?" And I was like, "Oh my god, absolutely!" And she took us down onto the news floor which is that classic big news floor with all those desks and people. And this thing was thriving. And we talked to the guys who broke like all the big stories uh, in UK news over the past five years. They, 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 they were like, they almost went like, uh, what's the word? they just went crazy basically when with like excitement and and enthusiasm when they're discussing the queen's death <laughs> they're, they're like we knew it had happened but we had to confirm it had happened we wanted to confirm as quickly as possible you think the bbc would just be like hello uh charles is your mom dead but it's not it's not how it works so they had people working on it all different angles and they had to work and confirm and then they had to slowly transition you know how the newscasters slowly started, came back from a, a news story and the newscaster was wearing a black tie and then came back, he's wearing a black jacket and just fascinating stuff. But these people like were dedicated to providing news that was as pure and as verifiable as possible. Do they always get it right? I don't know, probably not. However, their aim was to provide accurate news. Um, and that was really heartening, both for myself and it was my eldest son and, and, and my wife, Shannon, who were there. And they were, we both left going, I feel kind of better about the state of news. I kind of thought nobody cared anymore, but these guys do. And certainly when you go to other news organizations as well, like people who are journalists, like they, they care. They might have some biases. They might have some leans or whatever. They might sort of write through a filter, but they generally adhere to the same tenets of journalism that as we were saying those that fifth estate of like this 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 and this and i think that's really important and i think we have to stop confusing news with entertainment that's my whole thing is it's it's just not news is just news is not entertainment it might be something should that be a little boring it should be it's like i was you know i was talking to a politician yesterday um not a federal or pr provincial and i was saying asking how things were going and they said uh good there's been no drama and it's been boring and i was like good that's the way it should be i mean this you should just get on with the policy making make trying to make things better for everybody but it should not be drama it should not be entertaining i should i should not be hanging on every word wondering what's going to happen i want to go back to a little bit of a 
there's important issues you have to pay attention to. There's important issues you have to work to to make better for people and be aware of what's going to hinder or harm people that aren't necessarily in your community. But generally, I want to be able to trust that people are doing that. I got to meet Joe Clark uh, recently and, of course, conservative uh, prime minister, and uh, he was great. I, I, was, I have zero problems with Joe Clark. You know what I mean? I think I have more problems with Brian Mulroney, but even even then I'm like, it's not the worst. You know, I spoke to a bunch of conservatives of this event as well, where I met Joe Clark and I was like, these people are good people. This is, you know, there's no, they're not all awful. And a lot of them were talking about how they want politics to be less awful. And that's heartening. So we'll see. There's, I think a lot of people, um, it's going to feel like longing. It's going to be longing because it's not going back. No, I think I, I think we saw the despair, the, a bit of the discrepancy, the disparity between you know uh, Trump's presidency and Biden's presidency, right? Mm-hmm. Like Biden's a really boring dude, and he's certainly yeah. not making headlines every day yeah. or whatever. And yeah. I think that in and of itself is a bit of fresh, fresh air. Um, but I think those days are gone, and it's just how do we navigate it going forward? Well, I think, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen in the U.S., but I think things like C18 in Canada and Facebook banning news is actually going to help news in the long run. I think that having news compete with social media is not healthy and it's not good because then it's just about getting your attention. It's not about delivering the news. And that means getting the story first. That means being salacious in your headlines. I mean, I don't need that. I don't, I mean, you know, newspapers should compete with other newspapers. They shouldn't be competing for attention with a video, like I said, of mine or a meme or something. It should be news. It should just be news. I'm going to run the headline that Brittle Star hates modern media with this interview. <laughs> get as many fucking clicks as I can on this bad boy. <laughs> Brittle Star eviscerates mainstream media. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Um, as the most trusted comedian in Canada, um, is there a reason why we don't have a daily show like the U.S.? Is there a no. reason why you're not hosting the Daily Show? No, there's no Canada? reason whatsoever. I mean, be, I, th- by the I way. think I'm that in, I'm I mean, lobby for that. well, thank you, I appreciate that. Um, as long as I have a team of writers who actually know about politics, that'd be great. Um, but you know, I think that we've got the Beaverton, which is great. Um, which is really good. Uh, there's another couple of other sites which are pretty funny, uh, and they kind of do that service, but not really in-depth daily dives like the Daily Show does. Or uh, last week you know, tonight, with John last Oliver. week tonight with John Oliver. They're not really the same level of dives. I think the the main reason for that is just uh, the initial concern for money basically like, you know i mean i think there's money there to do it i think there's yeah. absolutely money there to do it and one of the things that drives me nuts as someone who's involved in canadian entertainment is that uh we have this notion that's like well we're just little canada we're just tiny canada so like we have 40 million people now and that is like within striking distance of uk population of 60 million so and they have an amazing star system entertainment industry all that kind of stuff all the popular uh, u.s sitcoms are ripped off of their yeah sitcoms. exactly exactly <laughs> i mean and they have like countless panel shows and versions of the daily show uh where they'll talk about 
you know, UK politics and UK news events and all that kind of stuff. There's nothing stopping us from doing that in Canada. There's absolutely nothing stopping us from doing that in Canada. And we have, you know, like Gavin Crawford does a great job um, on CBC with his, uh, I've just lost the name of the show. Sorry, Gavin. You know what I'm talking about? Because news as it happens, no, it's something like that, whatever. Something like that. And then Steve Patterson um, with his, uh, the debate. Steve Patterson, the debate, exactly. Really yeah. good. I mean, there's nothing stopping uh, Canada from having a daily show and, uh, and celebrating but we we have to as canadians we have we have to get past that whole canadianness of like oh it's just us like it's probably not going to be as good yeah which is craziness it's nonsense it's total not we can do as things we we do things that are the best in the world we just don't happen to say hey they're canadian so yeah there's like a there's like a stigma when it comes here when it's like oh canada's got talent it doesn't have the same ring to it no and i mean <laughs> i've I, I mean those well, they're good for those shows. You know, it's Canadian like Family, Idol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Canadian Idol. Canada's Got Talent. Family Feud Canada. Uh, Drag Race Canada. I mean, I. it's fine. I don't have any problems with any of those shows at all. And actually, I think that a lot of them are great. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's nothing stopping us from, you know, from saying, hey, let's do a show that's just our show which we kind of did with like Shit's Creek and Kim's Convenience and stuff like yep. that it's like oh man these, I love Kim's Convenience and Letterkenny these are just shows that are just shows Trailer and Park they, Boys Trailer yep. Park Boys they get sold around the world and and there's no apology necessary for those shows it's just like yeah they're just good that's yeah. it we can yeah, do more of that up and they win Emmys <laughs> yeah totally ex- exactly you know there's still this nonsense idea of like well, I don't know if it's going to be very good it's just Canadian you know it's just I hate that so much it's so Is dumb it still because of the i always hear this when it comes to like uh compared to the u.s stuff well it's the advertising dollars there's mm. not enough advertising dollars to go around here i think canadians when we latch on to something like a letter kenny like a quarter yeah. gas like a, it becomes a whole industry for a community like absolutely it, yeah it's a destination spot i've been to rollo saskatchewan as yeah. a result of corner gas Absolutely, I yeah. Go there otherwise. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, living in Stratford, right, home of the Stratford Festival, and we have uh, a, a number of theaters here. We have about half a million tourists to come here every year. One of my favorite things to say about Stratford is that uh, it's the theater is the largest employer in town, and so essentially you're in a city that's a real working city that it, like there's industry here, there's manufacturing here, uh, there's lots of different types of businesses here. And it just so happens that our biggest industry is pretending. Um, and it's like, you know, I, when, I, I, there's a, I, when I take people, uh, I had a friend of mine recently who was doing a short film, and he was like, oh, I need to find a place. I think I may be filming in Stratford. And I was like, oh, we should go to the costume and prop warehouse. And he's like, I don't know what this is. And I was like, well, they have every prop and every costume since 1953. Uh, and it's a, like a huge facility. I don't know if it's like 20,000 square feet or something, two floors. It's massive. And it's this massive building where I, it never ceases to amaze me that we were just like, yes, this is all just for storytelling and pretend, but we're going to build this huge structure and put stuff in it and then start renting it out to Murdoch Mysteries and blah, 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 and whoever's producing stuff and uh, and me and all that kind of thing. I want to I walk around that place. That sounds like oh my God. Like, just like take a tour of. <laughs> it is. And you can tour it. You can tour can it. You? And it's, yeah, I think it's still free to tour it, but it's, okay. it's, it's amazing. Like it's such a cool, it's an innocuous sort of big steel building. And inside it's like 
row upon row upon row of costumes separated by eras like Georgian era, Edwardian era, era 1920s, 1930s. Like it's just phenomenal. Like it's super, super cool. But the point being is that that's a good example of like Stratford uh, having had the locomotive industry kind of collapse on us. And then so and then going, uh, I don't know, let's uh, let's become like a world class theater. <laughs> let's just do that. There's nothing stopping us from doing world class anything. Brittle Star, you're the best. <laughs> you are. Like you just gave a, a, like a, a an elevator pitch for tourism for Stratford. Good. I hope they pay me. <laughs> that's always that's my. You're a government shill. You're getting paid, but I wish. How much do I owe you for this interview? Because you've mentioned money three times already. There will be a FreshBooks invoice arriving in your email any minute. After. Is that a plug? Are you sponsored by FreshBooks? Oh, man, I hope so. They're so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for doing this today buddy i appreciate it yeah of course thanks for having me on man i i really buy enjoy his, it buy his book uh your yeah. number one bestseller yeah stupidpocalypse.com it takes you there and you get the links for amazon.com amazon.ca and barnes and noble and also um uh we also have this sorry i'm, I'm gonna plug this real quick as well yeah in conversation with brittle star moderated by his wife so you're doing live chats taking the show yeah. on the road so we're taking the show on the road. Uh, it's all still, it's a new process for us to just kind of do that kind of thing. But instead of just doing a regular book signing tour, we're going to do shows. Um, and there's going to be in Ottawa, I believe. These aren't firm dates yet, but are, are, they the dates haven't been firmed yet. But Ottawa, Edmonton, Calgary, uh, Winnipeg. Uh, we'll be in Amherstburg, which is half an hour outside Windsor, which is a really cool little spot and the river bookshop and um they have like a venue there it's in a bar which is cool nice uh so yeah it'll be a fun sort of slightly sort of co comedy show slash chat slash q a and it'll be a lot of fun for sure opportunity for autographs <laughs> and selfies <laughs> and, and everything <laughs> exactly i uh, if you come anywhere near uh the gta i'm gonna try and make it out all right. I appreciate it. And I think we, we're going to try to at some point. I don't know. The biggest issue we have is finding suitable venues, but uh, we'll try. We'll, we'll figure something out. Exactly. Right, I appreciate cool. it. Cool. Thanks so much. Thank you. And See ya. Cool. Uh, I want to thank Brittle Star, Stuart Reynolds. It's weird because like everyone knows him as Brittle Star. So if you say, oh, I'm talking to Stuart Reynolds today. Who? I'll talk to Brittle Star. Who? And you show him a video and you go, oh, I love that guy. Love that guy. Um, he's the best. Just genuinely on air, off air. Um, just amazing. So thanks to him. And uh, I cannot wait to talk to him again when I have something else to talk to him about. I don't like bothering these people either. When I say these people, I mean, you know, important people. All of my guests are important. I don't try to get just uh, any jackass. If I wanted that, I'd interview my brother every week. hey -oh. <laughs> okay now i'm just floundering thanks to cryer meter for putting this on thanks to dean blundell for just being dean blundell um and uh thanks for tuning in hit subscribe hit follow tell a friend tell an enemy i don't care be well be safe thanks for listening Damn. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. 
This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. I'm Matt Cundell, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.